Iron Man, his name, what's his name? What do they call What's his real name? Tony Stark, right? Tony Stark, right? Thanks, Tony. Thanks for showing up, man. Awesome. I'm glad you got that. That's pretty cool right there. I like that. That's pretty tight. I like that. It's really cool. <laughs> Trying to figure out who it is, huh? Trying to figure out. Who is that? It's Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man, I want to share with you his powers. This is what Iron Man's powers. Now, I looked it up. Now, for those of you that are comic freaks, comic geeks, like I know some of you are, like, I looked all this up because I wanted to make sure, okay, is this, you know, what it is, not just on the movies. Now, Iron Man, he's a weapons master. This is, these are his powers. I looked them up. He's a weapons master. Of, he has a blast power, right? He has electricity control, electronic interaction, energy absorption. He can absorb energy. Of course, he flies. He has a force field that he can put around himself. Gadgets. He is also insanely rich. He is very intellectual. He has invulnerability. He has leadership. He has a power suit, super speed. Also, he has super strength. And I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. This is one of his powers. He is an attractive male. Iron Man. Tell your neighbor, you're Iron Man. Give it up for Iron Man. Thank you, Iron Man, for coming on out. Give him a hand as he makes his way on out. Come on, give Iron Man a hand here today. Come on, everybody wave to Iron Man. Everybody wave to Iron Man. All right, there it is, right there. He gives out $100 bills on his way out. No, just kidding. No, he's Iron Man, so he gives out nickels. Yeah. There's one man in particular in the Bible that I feel resembles Iron Man a whole lot. Now, Iron Man, his name is Tony Stark. But there's a man in the Bible that I go, man, it's just a lot of similarities that I found within the Bible. And that man is by the name of King David. King David. Now, let me tell you, I shared with you Iron Man's powers and what he does. But let me share with you King David's accomplishments. As a shepherd boy, David killed the greatest known champ of his generation. That was Goliath. He was anointed to be king as a teenager. As a young man, God had told him you were going to be king. Also, as a young man, in the Bible, he's described as a fine and handsome man. Right? So for those of you that, you know, I don't have time to really get into this. Just trust me. So what the Bible says, I believe, is 1 Samuel chapter 16 calls him a fine and ruddy, handsome man. That's what he was. Like, what, if you really think about it, why would the Bible even describe that? What's the purpose of that? There's a purpose. He was a great musician and even a great songwriter. Even to this day, we sing his songs. We sing a lot of the songs that he wrote. I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, I think it's a vineyard. They do that song, Pure Heart, Pure Heart. You guys remember that song? That's what I long for. You guys heard that song? I think it was Terry McCallum. McCallum, something like that, for those of you worship leaders that are into that. He wrote that song, Pure Heart. Well, he got it from David, right? Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. And you're... That's not Israel. That's David. David wrote that. And your mercies endure, David. As a king, 
David also expanded the boundaries of Israel from 6,000 to 60,000 square miles. He made Israel the large uh, kingdom that it became. He also set up extensive trade routes that reached throughout the known world. And because of these routes, wealth came into Israel like the nation had never seen before. King David unified the nation under one true God, and that was Jehovah. He was, the king, he was a king who lifted up the role of a priesthood. He destroyed all other idols and all other altars that had the idols on them. He was a brilliant organizer. He was an awesome planner. He was a perfect manager. And he was a cutting-edge military mind. Now, within the life of David, we've seen that he went from the shepherd's field to the battlefield to the royal palace. Somebody say royal palace. Now, he had such an awesome life that 62 chapters in the Old Testament are devoted to his biography, and 59 references are in the New Testament that gain David's attention. This is more than any other biblical character in this book. We learn about David the shepherd. We learn about David the soldier. We learn about David the king. From his life, we see that before you get onto the battlefield, you must first spend time in the shepherd's field. See, David found danger even in the shepherd's field, which prepared him for danger in the battlefield. See, my friend, danger reveals both your strengths and your weaknesses. Psalms chapter 23, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, I'm here to tell you that here this morning, your song of tomorrow, much like David, is being written by your struggle of today. Your song of tomorrow is being written by the struggle that you're going through today. David went through it on the shepherd's field. David went through it on the battlefield. David went through it even in the palace. Some of you here this morning say, man, I'm going through it. I'm never going to get out of it. Listen, my friend, just like David and the struggle he went through, because of the struggle, we have some of the greatest songs ever written. Your song of tomorrow is being written by your struggle of today. But even David himself, as great as he was as a king, and this is where we're going to get into it right here. David was a powerful man, a great organizer, military-minded, but David had a sleeping disorder. David had a sleeping disorder. He was sleeping with women out of order. You like that one, huh? You like that one? Took me a while to come up with that. I like it. Uh, it's true. As great as he was, he was awesome. He could conquer cities and conquer kingdoms. Well, matter of fact, they came to him and said, David, we need to conquer this, this kingdom. Let's do it. He conquered it like that. Just like that. Powerful. But he had something inside of him that he could not get rid of. In his struggle. Somebody say struggle. See, in this one particular time that we read about, out of the 62 chapters, this one talks about how he stood back from a battle and allowed his fleshly desires to overtake his kingly duties. And that is the story of David and Bathsheba. It's a popular one. It's where, in a nutshell, let me just give it to you. He sees this woman. He calls this woman. He sleeps with this woman. He gets the woman pregnant. He tells her husband to come back from battle to sleep with his wife. The husband says no. David then sends the husband to the front lines of the battle to get killed. Then David marries the wife he committed adultery with. 
You know, it's the classic, he saw, he fell, he killed, he, you know, he covered it up kind of story, right? Classic story. That's what happened with David. So that's the story of David, kind of in a nutshell. But there's one particular story that we, I believe, we would probably not know about the life of David had it not been for this one man. One man in the midst of all the, the shepherd boy, the soldier boy, now the king, powerful man. But one man said, hey, hey, David, you're doing all that stuff, but you covered up one particular thing, and that man was Nathan. Nathan, the story of Nathan. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1, says, the Lord sent Nathan. Who sent, who sent Nathan? It's very important. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger, prepared, uh, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then David, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. David in all his greatness, David in all his might, David with all his conquests, David with all the things that he did, tried to cover up one measly little thing, no big deal. Not a big deal. But here came Nathan. Now, it's worth noticing that Nathan didn't come on his own, but he was sent by God. This is very important because you need to know that God's timing is amazing. God's timing is impeccable. God's Listen, God knows what he's doing. See, you and I, we try to rush things. But Nathan came right on time. Now, when was he sent? Was he sent right after the adultery? No. Was he sent right after Bathsheba said, I'm pregnant? No. Was he sent right after he murdered Uriah? No. Was he sent after he married Uriah's pregnant widow? No. Was he even sent after the birth of the baby that he committed adultery with? No. Many scholars actually believe that Nathan was sent 9 to 12 months later after the sin had been committed. See, he let the grinding wheels of sin do their full work, and then he stepped in. God not only does the right thing, but he does the right thing at the right time with the right person. He sent the Iron Man at the right time for the right person. See, that's very important to me here this morning, and I'm going to talk to two groups of people here this morning, those that you are the Iron Man and those that are getting sharpened to be the Iron Man. I want to talk to two groups here this morning. See, Nathan, Nathan was that right person at the right time. Now, listen to me. This is very important. Not everybody that comes to you is a hater. 
A lot of times, especially in our generation, we think when people tell us the truth, oh, he's just hating on me. Why does every single person that disagrees with you have to be a hater? Why? Why can't they just be somebody that God sent to tell you, hey, shut up? Why can't they be somebody just to come up to you and tell you, hey, get out of that pathway? Why can't it be just somebody to come up to you and say, hey, bro, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Oh, they're just hating on me. Not everybody that comes to you is a hater. Matter of fact, some of them might be sent by God. This is what happened with David. God sent Nathan as iron to sharpen iron. See, in order for David to become that iron man, he must first be sharpened by another man who was an iron man. See, what was very important is that Nathan needed no introduction. David knew him very well. But think about what Nathan was about to do. He was about to stand in front of the most powerful man in the nation. Nobody else was telling David the truth. I'm sure a lot of people wanted to, but nobody else did. I mean, think about this. You were about to stand in front of a person that could just pull out his sword and kill you, and nobody blink an eye. Not only kill you, but he knows how. You have to remember, David knew how to throw a sling and kill a giant with just a rock. I'm pretty sure he was good with a sword, too. David knew what he was doing. Matter of fact, as you studied, a lot of times David, as a king, he would go out to battle. He'd be killing people too. He knew how to kill people. So here comes Nathan in the presence of the king, and he's about to tell him, hey, you're in sin. Don't you tell me that. Nobody wants to be confronted with their sin. Nobody wants to be. And, but here's, here's David, and here's Nathan. See, all the conquests that David ever did, I don't know if we'd ever hear about them if it wasn't for this iron man. I don't know if we'd ever hear about it if it wasn't for Nathan. David Wilkerson, one of our, our spiritual grandfathers here within our ministry, he said this quote, and oh, man, it was heavy. I wrote this down. See, David Wilkerson said this. He said, today some Christians are content to merely exist until they die. They don't want to risk anything to believe God, to grow, or even mature. They refuse to believe his word and have become hardened in their unbelief. Now they're just living to die. When I heard that statement, I, that cut me like an iron. I said, wow, is that me? Am I the kind of person that's just letting things go? I see it, but I'm not confronting it. I'm seeing it, but I'm not dealing with it. Let somebody else deal with it. Let somebody else go deal with that issue. Oh, that's a hot topic issue. We don't want to deal with that. We don't talk about that here in this church. We don't deal with that here in this church. Oh, just let them do whatever they want. Can you imagine Nathan being told by God, go tell David and Nathan going, wait, 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 hold on one second. Can't you send somebody else? Like, send another king. At least he'll listen to him. But here's Nathan. Say, man, I don't want to just be here just to merely exist. If God has given me something to say, I need to say it. I got to share it. Listen, my friend, if God has called you to be a messenger, do it skillfully, but do it humbly. Do it right or don't do it at all. If God calls you to be a confronter of the gospel, then preach. People still long for and are hungry for the message of God. Don't try to redefine it. Don't try to explain it away. Call it what it is. If it is sin, call it sin. And when you do, remember that you too have also sinned. It will keep you humble and full of compassion. Speak the truth, but speak it in love. But speak the truth. Listen to me. Speak the truth, but speak it in love. 
There are two lessons that we get here from Nathan and David. I want to give you just two lessons, and then I'm done. The first lesson that we see here with David or Nathan confronting David, the first lesson is to be effective, you must be equipped. Somebody say equipped. Now, equipped in what? The first thing is you got to be equipped in absolute truth. In other words, if you are going to confront somebody, I'm saying this because, listen, we're going to make some Iron Man in Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. We're going to make some Iron Man in Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay. We're going to make some Iron Women in Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay. Now, this is very important, especially in our generation of today. Everything is just kind of being so soft. No, don't confront it. It's not a big deal. It's not a huge issue. Listen, I want you to know something. I'm excited because we're going to be bringing, uh, I want to in the future, keep it in prayer. We, we were in contact with him. But, man, uh, his name is Dr. Uh, Dr. Brown, I believe it is. Oh, man, powerful, powerful man. And he has studied in the realm with the Bible and also homosexuality. Because everybody's always talking about, oh, homosexuality, don't talk about that. Well, I'll talk about it. It's a sin. There you go. What else do you want? No, you're closed-minded. Actually, you are. I'm set free. I'm the one who's set free. You're going by what the culture is telling you. I'm going by what the Bible has been telling us for over 2,000 years. The culture just made that up. We just make stuff up. I just go with it. This is just what the Bible says. We're just going with it. Now, believe me, I've studied it enough to also talk about it because I know many of you here. As soon as I say homosexuality, everybody gets all... And, I mean, I still love whoever it is. It's the same way, like, for those of you that were a drug addict. Nobody even wanted to be around you. Matter of fact, you, see, this is where the church, where sometimes we go wrong. We, we want partial truth, not absolute truth, the whole truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. That's why the truth is homosexuality is a sin. And that's where, oh, yeah, yeah homosexuality is a sin. Okay, but, yeah, there's still love that has to happen. See, and that's where everybody gets all, oh, wait, wait. Well, it's because you don't know how to love. That's why you don't know how to treat the issue. If you know how to love, you'll know how to confront. You will be equipped. Don't go by hearsay. Don't go by, well, well I don't know. That's just what, no, no, no. Get the truth because the truth is what sets you free. And that's how you're able to deal with these things and deal with the issues that come this way. Listen, even uh, in today's day and age, even within the church, you say, oh, we'll go ahead and you can drink all you want. You can do it. Well, listen, I just want to tell you this, okay? When it comes to drink, everybody always has like these touchy subjects. I don't know why they're touchy. Just talk about the Bible. There it is. You deal with it. Homosexuality, drinking, tattoos, right? Everybody always has the piercings. Look, uh, let me just say this. The Bible talks about drinking, and it makes it very clear, don't get drunk. And so that's where a lot of Christians get the interpretation. Well, I'm not going to get drunk. Listen, this is Victory Outreach. Shut up. Get all Philip LaCroix over here. Can I just be honest? Because everybody always tries to dance around it, like, ooh, ooh, did that, ooh, the drink, well, well, what kind of drink, and how much of a drink, well, I only got a little bit like this, you know what, this is like, look at, bottom line, if, if you want to go out there and just drink and get drunk, go for it, nobody's stopping you, 
Just do it. I'm, look, you do your thing. I preach the gospel. You know about Jesus Christ, how he's your savior. He's your risen Lord. He's coming back for you. If you want to go drink, go drink. Go ahead. That's on you. My choice, my convictions. The Bible says that everything is permissible. Go for it. I'm not stopping you. And if you know anything about our church here, listen, fine, you feel free. Feel free. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. It's not, it's just not going to work. My father used to call it with the want-tos. That's what he said. He said, now that I'm saved, I can do anything I want to. I just don't want to. That's all. I've changed my eating habits. That's all it is. I've changed my habits. Now, if you really want to talk about it and go into, well, the Bible says, okay, that's fine. Interpret it any which way you want that makes it beneficial for you. But here in our church, we live our best by freedom and in truth because it's the truth that sets us free. It's because of truth I can dance. It's because of truth I can shout. It's because of truth I can live. Be equipped in the truth. The second thing that you need to understand in becoming effective is the right timing. In other words, in your confrontation, don't be emotional. Make sure it's the right time. Wait until God's timing. Just like Nathan, he understood and he did it privately. He did it privately and he understood he wanted to wait on God's time. Why didn't God send him right away after he committed the sin? God's timing. How come he didn't, like, I mean, I mean, look at the babies here. Nope, God's timing. He went out there, I mean, you would think God would have surely, hey, look, look, God, he's about to go kill Uriah. Send Nathan now, send Nathan now. Nope, he waited. God's timing is impeccable. See, if you, see, I'm trying to teach you how to be an Iron Man here because we have a lot of issues in today that people don't like to talk about. Listen, for those of you that you're at your job and you've been feeling a tugging at your heart to witness to that person, but then all of a sudden you come back home and go, man, he's discouraged. Don't get discouraged. It's because the timing of God is not yet. There's a certain timing that you're about to wait on. And when that door comes, walk in that thing. When that door opens, you walk in that thing. It's God's timing. God is going to use you at the right time. Tell the person next to you the right time. The third thing in being effective in your equipping is wise wording. Nathan didn't just go up to David and tell him, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. Right? When you read the story of Nathan, matter of fact, right away in Nathan's story, he starts telling him a story. That's what he did. Very smart man, huh? That's pretty good. See, because people always, we try to always come up with our own, I'm, I'm a genius. I am a genius. Honestly, your geniusness is like filthy rags. Honestly. Nathan came to David with the right words. See, a lot of times we try to, well, you know what? Well, because of the, well, you know what? If you didn't, because of it, well, you know what? Get some wisdom. Get wisdom before you go off on your own tongue. Listen, you've been saying bad things with this tongue for so many years. Don't think it's going to happen overnight. It takes time. It takes time. Get the wise words. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11 and 12, like apples of gold and settings of silver is a ruling rightly given. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is the rebuke of a wise judge to a listening ear. He planned his approach very carefully. He didn't just go all out at once. That's why you'll, 
you'll see certain people, right? You ever see those people on the signs? They go out there, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. Right? You ever see those people? You're going to hell. They, they put a lot more stuff on that sign, so I'm not going to say the other words that they put on there. Well, you're going to hell. Now, see, what they're doing is the partial truth, because without Christ, I believe that's so. If you do not have Christ in your life, I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. I, I, I don't know any other way to put it. But see, that's the partial truth. The wise word says, look, hold on one second. Let me tell you something. Let me share something with you. Let me let you know what God wants to do within your life right here while you're in this life, on this earth, using wise words. He planned it carefully. He didn't just go out there with bears going crazy. He said, look, if I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to use the words that God has given me. Matter of fact, if you're saying, well, how do I know the words to give? Some of you are holding it right there. There's a Bible in your lap. Use those words. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, oh, man, those things will blow you away. Matter of fact, the first scripture that I read, each and every verse in Proverbs chapter 17, oh, my Lord, powerful. I mean, each verse, you're just like, what in the world? You can read it on your own, or Proverbs chapter 27, on your own time. I, I just, I don't know why I said that, but I'm just, somebody needs to hear that. Proverbs chapter 27, read it on your own. Each verse, powerful, powerful, great words. Nathan understood it, what it was to have wise words. And fourthly, and this is the one where I really want to drive it home, Nathan had fearless courage. Some of you are here, and I know you're here this morning and say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I love God. I, I know I see a lot of things going on, but maybe God will send somebody else to let them know. You know, I, I, just, I just go to church. That's all I do. I just go to church. I I carry a Bible. If I remember it before I walk out of the house, I'll carry it. Um, I, I tell people every once in a while about if they ask me, then I'll let them know. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But it's not a big deal. You know, I know they, they go crazy and, and, and cuss all this stuff around me. But it's not a big deal. You know, that's just what sinners do. And so every once in a while, I get in on it too. You know, it's not a big deal. And See, the thing about Nathan is that he had fearless courage. He was about to stand in front of the most powerful man in the world. Billy Graham was asked if he would ever become president of the United States. This was when he was at his peak point of evangelism, reaching thousands upon thousands, taking tents all over America. And they said, man, he was talking to presidents, talking to kings, talking to prime ministers. Billy Graham, powerful man. I think he was around 45, 46 years old, and they asked him, would you become president of the United States of America? You know his answer? He said, how dare I take a step down in my position of what God has called me to do? I, I, can't, I can't do that. Don't, you can't. That's awesome. No, it's not as awesome as the calling that God has upon my life. It's just not as, it's not as awesome. Yeah. It, it, you could call it what you want. Yeah. But there is a courage that is inside of me that I, I, I'm just telling you, it, it's, it's unexplainable. See, because of this courage, this is the kind of courage and the kind of anointing that God has given us where we can walk into places without fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
I'm not going to fear because I know God is with me. God is doing something inside of me. Listen to me here this morning, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, as I'm getting ready to close right now. This is very important of what God has called us to do here in Hayward and even beyond. I know some of you are here this morning and say, well, I go to church and at least I come. No, you were not made to do the least. You were made to do the most. God has a purpose for you and a plan for you. Now, I know some of you, you're getting the wisdom. You're building up the courage. It's coming inside of you and say, well, I don't know if I can do it. Listen, if you have to, get next to another Iron Man because iron sharpens iron. It'll get you ready for the calling that God has upon your life. See, I know some of you are still thinking, well, I have hang-ups. I don't have it all together. It's okay. Get next to somebody and they'll sharpen you. Well, I don't know how to speak. It's okay. Get next to Victor. He knows how to speak now. Telling you, you should have seen Victor when he first came. He was so quiet. He wouldn't say it. I think he was in our church for like two years before he said amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, he didn't. But he was that quiet. And then one day he just bust out in shotgun. He came on stage with the hugest afro I've ever seen in my life. He had this big old afro. Like, what is he doing? And then he came out to the music of, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, what's happening? And we, he goes out there and we're all, who's that? They're all, it's Victor. It's like, Victor? <laughs> Victor who? You know, like, I, I don't know who that is. He got out there and he started acting. We're like, what in the world? After that, this is the best part. It wasn't that he just got up on stage. When it was done, he took everything out, took the clothes off. He started praying for people at the altar call. Changed his clothes, ready to go. I was like, what in the world? So even I know, I've been witness, but you know why? It's because he was constantly around us, constantly around, constantly around men like Eric. Eric talks to anybody and everybody that walks by, right? You ever been around Eric? He'll be talking to you. Hey, awesome, come here. Hey, bro, come here, come here, come here, what's that, bro? I got so no, 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 come here, come here. I got, I got yeah, yeah, just come here. Oh, amen, God bless you. You know, come here. Start, start talking to anybody. Iron sharpens iron. It gets you ready for the battle. See, Nathan went in there with fearless courage. I know some of you may think, well, I don't have it all together. I, I, there's not a full understanding of, of, of everything that I can even fathom. And, and you, know, you know, some of the things that I hear from the pulpit, well, I don't get it. It's not fully there. Listen, get next to somebody. They'll sharpen you. This is where I close. Psalms chapter 51. Your song of tomorrow is being written by the struggle of today. The second lesson that we learned from David's life, first we learned from Nathan's life to be equipped and effective. The second lesson was genuine repentance from David. The genuine repentance had an open, unguarded admission. Even David said, I have sinned. He understood. See, in true repentance, there's a desire to make complete break from sin, letting go. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. See, true repentance is a spirit 
that is broken and a spirit that is humble. True repentance is a claiming of God's forgiveness and also a reinstatement. Nathan told David, you're not going to die, but there will be a consequence. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, as you keep it there on, or turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 22. 1 John 1, 9, I'm going to read this to you. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Second Samuel, chapter 22. Do you guys have it? When you read that story, you will see how David himself seen what it was to go out on the battlefield and what it was to have mercy on his soul. So you, I want you just to mark that. We're not going to read it, but just mark it. That's very important. 2 Samuel 22. Now turn to Psalms 51, and we're going to read this together. Psalms 51, as they come to the piano. We're going to read all this together. On your own, 2 Samuel 22. That's very important. But Psalms 51, verse 1. This is the song that David wrote after he committed this sin. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, lot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will not turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. David. 
after he made the gravest mistake of his life up to that point, wrote this song. He said, look at me. I'm messed up. He said, look at me. I need to repent. Mm. See, one of the first steps to becoming an iron man or an iron woman is true repentance. Admitting it. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. And David understood that. said, oh, my Lord, my heart, my transgressions are messed up. But I like what David said in that chapter, in that song. He said, let me teach others to not do what I did. I want to be an iron man so I can sharpen others to be just like how I am now. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit in me, oh God. David understood. He did all these great things. He did all these great endeavors. He accomplished all these great and went on these awesome adventures. But it wasn't until Nathan came told him, hey, want to be a superhero and do all those great things first deal with that little thing you're trying to cover it up just deal with that and then at that moment David said oh God I am that man I've sinned I've messed up but the thing I love about David is that after he sang this song and after he said all the mess ups I did God, turn your face away from my sin because I just want to please you. I know I messed up, but God, you've called me still. I'm still your man. I'm still your woman. Yes, I messed up. Yes, I don't have it together, but God, you've still called me to preach your gospel. Don't turn everything away, but God, create in me a right spirit so that I can preach, so that I can sing, so that I can do your will. Listen to me here this morning, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. This is very important. It's very important. It's very important. This city, I don't care what they say, they're hungry for God. I know some of you pass out flyers. Oh, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You know what? In their spirit, I want to hear it. I want to know God, but I'm so messed up. What can you tell me? You're messed up too. And if you're like David, they're right. You are messed up. I'm messed up. But oh God, create in me the right spirit, oh God, so that I can teach others, so that I can show others. God, this city needs you. God, the city needs you. Hayward needs more iron men. Hayward needs more iron women. Hayward needs more God. Raise up heart of the bay, Jesus, to speak your truth, even when others don't want to hear it. Give us the right timing. Give us the right words. God, use your people to preach your gospel. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Like I said earlier, I want to pray for two groups of people. First, the ones that maybe you're like David. You're being confronted with something that you know you're covering up. And God's saying, here this morning, I want to uncover that thing. True repentance. Because true repentance is a breakaway from that sin. It's a breakaway. Some of you are involved in a relationship and you're having sex outside of marriage. You know. Your mom didn't have to tell you. Your dad didn't have to tell you. Matter of fact, even society, they're still trying to pass bills to tell you what is right and what is wrong. What the Bible's been saying all along. Some of you are going to the clubs. You're getting drunk. You're trying to figure out, well, the clubs are okay, but getting drunk, it's going beyond. It's taking you. You are in a place where you know you ain't getting sharpened. Ain't no iron being sharpened in the club. Ain't no iron being sharpened getting drunk. Ain't no iron being sharpened when you're at that party with those people. You know that. I don't have to tell you. Ain't no iron being sharpened when you're with that guy, with that girl, smoking that, drinking that, doing that. You know no iron being sharpened with that so here today you're saying you know what God I need to repent I need to turn from my ways and I want to focus on you so that's the first group the second group is the one like Nathan you're a man of God you're a woman of God but it's just hard to know the right time the right words some of you are real harsh in your delivery say how come they don't listen listen it takes time it takes time get wisdom get wisdom some of you you have your mom or your dad or your best friend or your aunt or your uncle that you're witnessing to and God's saying I'm gonna give you the right time I'm gonna give you the right time I'm gonna give you the right time but I'm building something in you I'm building something in you and you want God to make you that iron man God to make you that iron woman so with every head bowed and every eye closed if that's you here this morning whether you're on the side of David or you just need to repent and say, God, I need to turn away. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of living this lie. I don't want to go into this, holding on to this. I'm confronted right now with the spirit of Nathan. Or if it's you as Nathan saying, man, I got to tell David. I got to let him know. But I'm going to do it with love. Some of you, you've been saying it, but you ain't got no love. The Bible says if you have the, 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 uh, the understanding to fathom all the mysteries of the world, but you have not love, it doesn't matter. If you have faith to move mountains, If you can do all those great things, but you ain't got no love, it really doesn't matter. Nobody's going to hear you. You need love. God is love. So if that's you, if you're either a David or you're a Nathan, I want you to slip out of your seat right now. I want you to come to this altar, and we're going to pray with you right now. We're going to believe that God is love.